the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That's our one and only super producer, the man, the myth, the legend, Max Williams. They call me Ben and Noel. Believe it or not, we're kind of on a streak, dude. This is another on-purpose two-parter, isn't it? It's true. We're batting two. Is that a thing? How do batting averages (laughs) work? Does that, to be, does, that, does that have to be a ratio? It has to be a ratio, I think. I don't think you can just bat two. I don't know. We can discuss this more today <laughs> in our second part about dumb mobsters, dumb mafiosos. We mixed a few others in there. Mine was about dumb kind of secondary players doing dumb stuff to a mobster who then eliminated all of them with impunity, including his own people, because, uh, you know, that's just what a guy with a name like Johnny the Bats, Johnny Bats, Johnny Batter, he was he knew baseball scores, mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. Um, that's just the kind of stuff that guys like that do. Uh, but we are once again joined with Matt Lieb and Vince Mancini from the uh, Pod Yourself a Gun podcast, the only Sopranos podcast on the internet. Hey. Max, hit that sound cue. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, and, you know, I know it was a little touch and go off air, but we have we have squashed some beefs and, uh, <laughs> and we're back to our adventures. Now, uh, previously, we explored the story of uh, Gigante. And uh, as as yes. you said, Noel, uh, the vengeance of Big Tuna, which is how mm-hmm. that's like burned into my brain now. Uh, and today in part two, we're going to explore another strange event, and then we're also going to explore an interesting sibling duo. So fans of mafiosos probably can already call that one from a, a few miles away. But Vince, 
let's let's hear about let's hear about this caper you found because you found a like um was it a, a kidnapping? It was a kidnapping. Yes. Yeah, so Oof, good. All right. You know, you guys said dumb mobsters, <laughs> and I knew, you know, you guys were going to have to bag on Italians a lot. And uh, and I was like, you know what? There are other dumb people in the world. Um, it's anti-Italian discrimination. <laughs> that's right. And this this was a plot that involved uh, three people. So I think that is technically, you know, an organized crime. That's right. Uh, sure. Itself. Um, also, it took place in Chowchilla. California, which is uh, just up the road from where I live in Fresno. And, um, you know, we don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of uh, like Central California, San Joaquin Valley news that breaks out into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, is, it chow? Yeah, this... is a chow chilla like a combination between a chinchilla and a chow like the like a, some yeah, sort what of weird is hybrid a chow chilla? Yeah, that'd be uh, some sort of labradoodle yeah, exactly. uh, portmanteau mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know how it got the name. I'm, I feel like it was probably in this article somewhere, and I missed that part. But uh, Chowchilla sounds also a little bit like uh, Godzilla. So there's sure. part of me mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. like a really, really big woman inside of a Chinese food buffet just being mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm Chowchilla. What of <laughs> yeah. it? Could, you know? could yeah. also be a, a lesser known member of Wu Tang or an affiliate. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I don't know how that one got its name. Um, there's a few others that I like Kalinga, which is at the far west south end of uh, San Joaquin Valley. I, kn- I that know used that got to its be yeah. that got its name because it was Coling Station A, and so they just put Coling A and then they named a town. Oh, was... don't go there. It's not very nice. But uh, it yeah, smells like straight. Doo-doo. It's like just a doo-doo town. <laughs> yeah, I hope they lead into it. I hope that it says, welcome to doo-doo town. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to doo-dooville. Population, you and a bunch of cows. Doo-doo town, USA, with a poop emoji. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, uh, I'm getting most of my, uh, th- there was a recent Vox article by Caleb Horton uh, about this episode, which is where I'm getting most of these quotes and facts from um and he is from bakersfield which is at the far south end of the san joaquin valley and uh you know you need an insider so it's not just uh people looking down their noses at us country folk um (laughs) but yeah this was uh this happened in july 1976 and you know we were talking about mafia like dumb mobsters and and mostly the story with like the mafia was of immigrants who sort of came here and uh, were trying to, you know, figure out how to climb the societal ladder. And so they decided to, you know, do crimes. And uh, and that was kind of the way that you climbed the uh, societal ladder back in the day was, you know, you yeah. cut a few corners. Most of the people that were rich didn't get there by doing, uh, you know, not crime. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but this one I, I think is is interesting because uh, the people that did this crime, which was they kidnapped uh, 26 school kids uh, from a school bus. Um, The thing about it is that they're all rich. Uh, These are all rich kids who lived uh, up in the Bay Area in uh, Portola Valley, which is like a sort of wealthy suburb uh, of San Francisco down on the peninsula. The kids who were kidnapped, the school bus kids were rich or the three? No, the school bus kids that were kidnapped were from Chowchilla. 
uh, <laughs> and the the rich kids lived up in uh, Portola Valley in the in the Bay Area. Um, the ringleader of the gang was a guy named uh, Frederick Newhall Woods the Fourth. Oh, wow. Boy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great mafia nickname right there. <laughs> yeah, he's already got it. Yeah, and when you have like the fourth in your name, like you know, usually that probably means mm-hmm. uh, that you're rich. Uh, he was rumored to have a one hundred million dollar trust fund. What? Wow. So wait, wait, wait. So he's either he's either quite wealthy or comes from a line of very uncreative people when it comes to names. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I guess we can assume he's not into this school bus caper for the money, huh? No, well, he was. He what? was in it for the money, which is the weird. <laughs> he part. wanted more like, than a hundred million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, like, what he if mo- I had a hundred million and one dollars? You know what's cool? A hundred million and one dollars. I mean, wow. the uh, the worst thing that you can do is be sort of rich, but be around people that are more rich than you are. Oh, which yeah. Which is, uh, you know, if you've ever seen The Gods Must Be Crazy, where you uh-huh. know they all fight over the Coke bottle. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened here uh but uh just a little bit more about frederick newhall uh, his middle name comes from henry mayo newhall who traveled to california in 1850 with the miners to strike it rich and did in land and railroad speculation he formed the newhall land and farming company which is children incorporated in 1883 uh, by 1976 the family was making 80 million dollars a year in ranching oil and land holy uh, shit it was Henry Newhall's land that became Santa Clarita and Valencia. The oldest community in the area, Newhall, is even named for him. Uh, Fred's dad, Frederick Newhall Woods III, owns a rambling estate in the wealthy Bay Area town of Portola Valley called the Hawthorns. That's another tell uh, when you're really rich is that you're, the place that you live has a name. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's your so house, true. If your house has a name. Uh, I think that's a good rich man, poor poor man, if, if your house has a name. Because it's either like the name <laughs> of the housing project or the name of your estate. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That is, that's right. That's very true. You make a good point. And it only really counts if other people participate in the name, right? Right. You, you can call your place like... Xanadu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Or My one-bedroom apartment in East Hollywood's name is Xanadu, thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, on all of my government forms, whenever they ask address, I just put Xanadu. Xanadu. <laughs> they should know by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, Frederick, that's the kid, uh, he lived on his the 79-acre estate uh, in his own apartment uh, on, his, on his father's property. Uh, and the description of him from this article is, He's a funny looking kid. He's got long gold hair and a goofy mustache. He looks kind of like Lee Marvin if Lee Marvin was melting and lived with his parents. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a great description. Uh, so, what? He's like, what, like in his like early teens or what we he's, say, kid? He's 24. Okay. Okay. So, he's not fully a kid. Yeah. Um, this goes down. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. He's uh, your basic, you know, fail son, dumbass kind of mm-hmm. character. Uh, description of him. All he really cares about is cars, and he has north of 50 of them on his parents' estate, many of them junkers. He carries pictures of his cars in his wallet. The neighbors complain about how often they hear shotgun blasts from the property. Apparently, he loves his cars so much, he shoots out the windows for kicks. <laughs> oh my God. That's fun. That's fun. This guy seems like a real delight. Uh, I bet mm-hmm. he had a lot of friends. He's, it's, he, he, he sounds like a lotto winner. You know what I mean? Like, this uh-huh. is like someone who's like, I got a billion dollars now? Well, oh, yeah. That's the genetic lotto winner. Yeah, seriously. Holy crap. Yeah. So, but he's got, he's got this gang. He's getting a gang going. 
um, you know, to, to, to figure out uh, this crime. Um, and so he has his buddy, his buddy Jim Schoenfeld, who is also 24, son of a wealthy Atherton podiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. where the criminals come from, podiatry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the feet. Uh, he helps Fred buy, repair, and sell cars. Um, and uh, Repair and the he, ones that he blew the windows out from. <laughs> he just re-glasses them. Yeah, and then uh, Jim Schoenfeld has a brother named Rick Schoenfeld, who is two years younger, he's 22. Uh, he is actually a film major at San Jose State, and uh, his like their big plan is they want to use the proceeds from the car business to finance uh, Rick's movies. And uh, part of the plan here was to do this crime and then to to get the ransom and then also make a movie about it and then make double money. Oh, dude, now you got the money and the money. I like it. One money bad, (laughs) two money good. Wasn't it already based on some sort of short story that was like published in like an Alfred Hitchcock kind of compendium of some kind? Did you read that detail? I don't know. I didn't know. Well, the 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 what I got from this article was that they uh, based it on uh, I think it was Dirty Harry. Uh, they, there was they based their their kidnapping yeah. plot on on Dirty Harry. Yeah, they they got they they got it on. I forget the exact plot. So they didn't of what even do an original. Harry. They didn't do an original uh, like kidnap plot. They were like, we're gonna make a movie out of this. Even though there was already uh, yes. a movie, a movie. Made. We're gonna I mean, do the kidnapping based on a movie, then make a movie based on the kidnapping. That's, that's there's no that's right. for yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I read somewhere along the way that there was a story called "The Day the Children Vanished" by Hugh Pentecost that was published in like oh. Alfred Hitchcock's Daring Detectives, like one of those like you know kind of um, weekly or whatever monthly, like with different little short stories in '69. Right. But Hugh um, Pentecost, who, who, yeah, Hugh Pentecost, what was a great, great name, name. really yeah, great name. Good. But uh, who knows, maybe. Dirty Harry got some of their inspiration from that short story too. Nothing's original in Hollywood, man. Not a thing. Yeah, uh, that yeah, because the, the Dirty Harry actually had the bus, uh, and that happened in that was in San Francisco, but the density and complexity of the city was too overwhelming for them. Uh, the way they saw it, they'd have better <laughs> odds in a very rural area with fewer bystanders. Crazy, um, and so they uh, basically looked around for like a place that the, where the bus route seemed like it would be isolated and wouldn't have too many people poking around. Uh, and that's how they came to Chowchilla. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino, and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. <laughs> they didn't like count on the fact that that would also be a poor area. Like what, like this is, was part of the plan to ransom these kids to their parents? Well, no, the plan was because the schools are run by the government. Uh, uh -huh. They, they uh -huh. figured that the government would, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the best way to do it was to to try and bilk the government because they would have the money. And Public school systems, notoriously yeah. overfunded. Totally. You know, <laughs> they're just hemorrhaging money. So <laughs> logic is that they need multiple victims for multiple millions and they need to be children because people will do anything for children. And it had to be a school because keeping kids safe at school is a government responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, historically, that's proven out real, real well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that, oh, man, yeah, schools are always safe. We've known mm -hmm. that since day one in America. Because, they, again, they have so much money. These guys, <laughs> like, I just already, Vince, I want to be not 
participating in their heist, but I want to be like casually in the room, maybe yes. just like mm-hmm. eating chips and watching yeah. them, you know, like this is, they were serious. I guess they had to be because they, they had to be, they were dead this. serious. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> they did it. Um, It had to be a school because keeping kids safe at school is a government responsibility. They'd pay the ransom. No problem. Quote, I wasn't going to commit any crime, risk my life, or risk my reputation for anything less than a million. So a bank <laughs> robbery wouldn't work. A drug deal wouldn't work, James continued. Yeah. With a kidnapping, quote, the state pays us the ransom. We're happy forever. All of our troubles are solved, and we let what the victims troubles? go. Everybody's happy. <laughs> the <What> windows. <laughs> the windows on the cars. What, what, did, what his parent, maybe he was just pissed that he couldn't get that trust fund like right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, clearly. They were being right? withholding and he just needed the cash now. Did he have some harebrained venture in mind? I just, I don't understand why form a gang. I've never heard of such a gang of like these aristocratic youths. You know, this is a very weird oh. situation. I mean, so I, many was gonna, questions. I was, I was going to save the modem motive for later, but no, I can, no, I can read you no, no, no. What, no, no, no. what Rick. Uh, okay. No, no, yeah. Let's have ahead. a slow burn to the motive. I love yeah. it. All right. Wait. Sure. Yeah. Cause it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, they got this plan. They, they picked Chowchilla. Uh, so, you know, they find, they find the, this bus that they're going to kidnap. And, uh, this is what happened. A guy in overalls with pantyhose covering his face jumps out in front of the bus with a revolver. The man walks to the driver's side window and asks Ed, the bus driver's name is Ed, this guy Ed Ray, uh, with no intimidation in his voice, would you open the door, please? Uh, Two other guys with rifles, one to drive, one to watch kids. Basically, uh, they had, there's three of them. There's there's two in the bus, and then one is driving, uh, one follows them in a van. And uh, they drive about, they, they go and they ditch the bus. And they move the kids into uh, another van and they take these two vans and they drive 100 miles uh, north up to a rock quarry outside Livermore. How many kids are we talking about? There's 26 kids. 26 (laughs) kids, 100 miles. And they want to do this all in the space of 24 hours. I just feel like there's something to be said about setting yourself up for success. Yes, absolutely. A little pre-production wouldn't have hurt Mm -hmm. them more. And, you know, the thing that you have to understand about Central California, this is also July. This is Central California in the middle of July. So yeah. it is hot extremely, as extremely hot. Yeah. Um, so they drive up to Livermore and in Livermore, there is like this makeshift uh, prison made out of a third van. And it's just buried in the dirt uh, in, uh, in the rock quarry. Uh, their prison looks to be a moving van. The sides and ceiling warp from the weight of surrounding dirt. There are two air shafts, hoses that run above ground to a tree. There are some mattresses on the ground and a pathetic amount of necessities. Wonder bread, peanut butter, potato chips, water jugs, some holes carved for toilets. After all the kids are inside, a steel plate slides over the entrance, and it's weighted down by two 100-pound tractor batteries. Oh, my God. You know, they stuffed all the kids and the bus driver uh, into this van buried uh, underground. I mean, that's um, a bit of a production right there. They had to bury mm-hmm. the van. They had to mm-hmm. find the site. They had to build a makeshift prison. That's kind of impressive. It takes a little bit of a, you know, moxie to get something like that done. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have applied themselves to literally anything else True. and uh, True. Had, a ni- had a nice little life, you know? It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Um, and then... We don't know exactly uh, what the kidnappers did at this point, but uh, one thing that they didn't do uh, was deliver a ransom note, which what? is what. 
<laughs> oh, but they, they tried, right? Uh, no, well, no, they found the ransom what? note later in a notebook. They had one, <laughs> but they didn't get to the part where they delivered it yet. Uh, the police in Chowchilla get a call at about 7 p.m. from an anonymous woman who directed them to the quarry. Livermore can become famous. Later in the night, Mayor Jim Dumas's wife gets a call from another anonymous woman. The children will be found, but there will be others. It's not over. A uh, hundred miles away, 27 people are buried in a moving van, sweating, crying, and struggling to breathe. And despite the mysterious phone calls, the police have no idea why. There's no motive and no ransom note. The kidnappers forgot to deliver one. God. Um, wow. And so at some point in the night, uh, the bus driver, who is a also classic, kidnapped. classic Oki, uh, mm. Central Valley obviously is where, you know, Steinbeck country, all the yeah. Okies came over sure. in the Dust Bowl. And this apparently this bus driver is just a, he's just a strong, good old boy who uh, likes to bale hay and drink Pepsis. Um, and uh, so they sort of pile up all the mattresses in the corner and they get the uh, the wood out of the mattresses. And he uses, uh, they use the stacked up match mattresses and the wood, wooden slats from the bed springs to pry the uh, tractor batteries off of the. Uh, oh, wow. Smart. Of, Innovative. Yeah. So they get out, like, sort of in the middle of the night. They had been in the bus for about 15 hours uh, by this point. And so basically. Where are the uh, three guys? Are the three guys around? Are they keeping watch? So here's the thing, because these guys were rich, they sort of, well, what happened was the kids and the bus driver got out, you know, they get discovered and the kidnappers hear about this on the news and uh, two of them f immediately flee. And then the young, the younger brother immediately uh, does what any rich kid in this situation uh, does, which is uh, resolve to confess and, and lawyer up immediately. So, <laughs> yeah. Because he lawyered up immediately, there's like a whole of time where we don't know exactly what happened because, you know, they were able to make plea deals and whatnot to and, and never really had to reveal what exactly happened between the time that they buried these kids and uh, the time that they were found. And yeah. uh, so by the 23rd, the undelivered ransom note was found. It was exactly what you'd expect. Naive, dashed off. Lots of words crossed out with pen like it was written in 30 seconds. It says, your bus, that's you are, your bus has been kidnapped. Uh, it claims they're members of some unknown satanic cabal called Beelzebub. Uh, hold on, I actually have, I have the actual uh, note here in my, in my notes. Ooh, are we going to have a dramatic reading? Yes, please. Do a devil voice, please. Put two and a half million dollars in each of the suitcases. Total five million. Use old bills. Have ready at the Oakland police station. Further instructions pending until 10.05 p.m. Sunday. We are Beals above. Wait. Uh, collectively. <laughs> we are. Why? I'm sorry. They wanted the, uh, the ransom money delivered to the Oakland police station? Yeah, so they actually apparently had like a decent idea uh, to collect to, the uh, money. To collect the money, um, they decided the five million dollars ransom will be delivered to a drop site in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, this is the only part of their plan that could be considered clever. They were going to drive up the coast to someplace heavily wooded, then go back inland and have airplanes patrol for two hundred miles up and down the area until they saw a certain series of lights indicating the drop site. 
Then the money was to be dropped on them, and then they'd be gone. By the time they had the money, nobody would be able to get there. Uh, you can't just stake out 200 miles. And that was uh, that was from the bus driver, right? Wasn't that him uh, giving his perspective from that? Uh, no, that's actually the uh, one of the investigators named a different Ed. Oh, Ed gotcha. Bates. Okay, so yeah. I was confused. A lot of Ed's. Uh, <laughs> they bought an x-ray the machine. Everyone was named Ed. That's right. <laughs> they bought an x-ray machine from a Navy surplus station in case the ransom money was bugged. Uh, they had homemade bulletproof vests that they made with scrap metal. Um, wow. And, and Fred rented a trailer in Reno for a safe house and got a passport under a fake name of uh, Ralph Snyder. And he bought a uh, printing calculator to count the money. Uh, yeah, they had they had a lot of uh, plans, but the only reason we know about these plans is because the the police found Jim's notebook, which had all the plans in it. <laughs> nice. Which is where they got the the uh, ransom note that wasn't actually uh, delivered. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is part. This is from the notebook. Uh, conceal the kids. Hide the vans. Go somewhere else to collect the money. From there, Rick will get a plane to take James to a small, uncontrolled airport like Lodi. They'll meet Fred, who will hijack the plane. Then Rick and Fred... <laughs> oh, there's another Rick, They just kind of buried the lead on that one. <laughs> they like they looked around when they were brainstorming or pitching this, and they are like, yeah. Yeah, fuck it, Fred will do the plane. Fred, yeah. are you good with the plane? And he's yeah. like, I got the plane. All right, we're drawing st- straws for who gets to hijack the plane. I love hijacking a plane as part of the escape plan. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my Classic. God. Then Rick and Fred load the dummies into the plane with parachutes and an extra parachute, dummies. of course. Dummies? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why are there dummies? Uh, are- I'm assuming they're going to fake their deaths as part of uh, <laughs> this plane. Of course. <laughs> I love it. I, I love the simplicity, really, yes. of the whole thing. It's, well, yeah. it's, it's, it's like simultaneously like overcomplicated and incredibly simplistic at the same yeah. time. It's, it's like this magical yeah. medium. It's, it's like very, they're very doing weird. it for the movie. Mm-hmm. As much as for the heist, you know, they're like someone's going, you know what we really need, though, from a filmmaking perspective, yeah, be a strong act, too, yes. which means another heist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim is taking possession of the money. Thus, a state employed secretary will be appointed to bring the money in three brown paper parcels and instructed to. And that's it. They don't finish the sentence. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) another section of the notebook details other general stuff they had to remember to burn the book they forgot to get infrared to see at night they didn't to get a vote for reagan bumper sticker to quote be anonymous Uh, (laughs) or just be like less of a cop target like to be pulled over because it's like you're a friendly i guess yeah 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 exactly uh, reaganite no 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 he's cool he's got a vote for reagan sticker on his uh, (laughs) obvious fucking like kidnap van some other items ask for used bills don't spend money for seven years get an x-ray truck with gas masks and lead vests uh, a microwave oven to foul bugging devices melt all plastic and in the heaviest lift a parenthetical has ever had to do, quote, to pick up the money using an illusion like magic. <laughs> <laughs> so like just David Copperfield that shit, like make no. the Statue of Liberty disappear as a diversion so you can get the money. Smoke and um, mirrors, man. Smoke and mirrors. This, gonna... Again, the planning sounds like such an amazing conversation. It, it, like, totally. Like it's... they're, are they... 
they're smoking weed, right? Is that oh, unfair? I mean, it's 1976. And they're on they lewds, in- dude. This is a, <laughs> this is this is totally just a lewd fueled kidnap plot. There's also a with part magic. Yeah, oh, no doubt. I mean, or, or at the very least, um, you know, mushrooms or, or oh, some psychedelics. Sure. Because there's a part in the notebook from 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 the article that I found um, where he talks about having just seen The Exorcist and how it was mm-hmm. making him question his sanity. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, you know, I don't. Apropos of nothing, really. It's not like I think I maybe won't do the crime because <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe I'm not all there. It was just this one little aside where it's like this movie, The Exorcist is making me question my sanity. Um, So to me, I think there has to be some heavy psychedelics involved here because the logic of this thing, the whole thing is like an acid trip where you're like, you can just kind of flip from one thing to the next and you just Mm -hmm. kind of go with it. Like it all kind of makes sense if you look at it holistically, but on paper, none of these state steps make any sense. And they're all just so designed to, I mean, of course it all collapses before they even get a chance to do like most any of it. Right. That's right. Well, well they didn't get logic, the, all of the kids inside of dream uh, logic. Yes, exactly. Ben, that's exactly what I was trying to get out. Yeah, you nailed total it. dream yeah. logic. Yeah. They were able to get all of the kids inside of a, what almost was a very tragic grave sort of situation. Because they could have so, suffocated. True. They didn't even have holes punched in the lid for them or anything, right? I mean, th- did they make any arrangements to make sure they, they weren't they going holes. to? They yeah, did have they holes. Did. Okay, good, 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 good. But not like food, water, etc. Well, they had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, wait. They, nope, they, you're they right, had you're uh, right. a hole for pee-pee and poo-poo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> everything that a kid needs to survive. <laughs> For Being about buried alive, fifteen hours. five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do think uh, we should point out. There's. I did not see this. I, I did not see me playing this role today. But in defense of the airplane wow. part of the heist, okay, uh-huh. just hear me out. Hear uh-huh. me out. Uh, in defense of that part, uh, we have to remember this is this is seventy six, right? right. Ra- roundabouts. So just five years earlier, mm-hmm. one of the most well known successful skyjackings in history occurred db cooper in 1971 so they it's very recent and everybody knew about it yeah so maybe they were maybe it seemed much more plausible from their perspective don't i i still think no the 70s was the golden age of of uh plane hijacking right yeah there's actually a book called uh the skies belong to us which is all about uh how many hijackings there were in the 70s which is pretty good Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Basically, uh, at this point, you know, the uh, Rick has lawyered up, told his dad, and then James and Fred are still on the loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so this is this is where we're picking up the story. Meanwhile, a nationwide manhunt was on for James and Fred. There were sightings of them clear out to Tennessee. James would later write the following in his notebook, quote, I save swear words for bad situations, but all I could think of was, oh, shit. <laughs> Guy's got the heart of a poet. Yeah. yeah, wasn't he a film student? I think you mentioned that he was a no. Film. His brother, his younger brother, was the film. Student. His younger brother was a film student, so he definitely would have been thinking at least in terms of the cinematic kind of. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, the, the, the whole DB Cooper thing. It's probably like he saw it was just like you know what that was awesome. Yeah. Let's yeah. Like, let's incorporate that into this thing, and then the Dirty Harry thing. <laughs> definitely uh, the short story from the. They were what I found was that there were a few details of the crime. I didn't get specifics that were in this short story that I talked about the mm. disappearing children or whatever. But I mean, I think the bigger parts of it were definitely inspired by Dirty Harry. So mm. he's pulling all his in, in, influence from works of fiction, yeah. uh, possibly DB Cooper, which is you know the most cinematic heist like of that era. I mean, this dude's just kind of a weird stoner kid. I got to know the why he needed the money yeah his whole deal is like he very much like reading his notebook he he strikes you it feels like holden caulfield or or some other sort Mm -hmm. of novel written from the perspective of like an immature dope 
Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, I'll, we'll get to the motive. Okay, After okay. the kids escaped, Fred and James had driven out to their safe house in Reno. Then using his phony passport, Fred had flown up to Vancouver, leaving James behind with no good options. Alone and terrified, he fled to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho because of its proximity to a border crossing. But on the 18th, when he tried to get to Canada, 100 miles north, he was turned away by Border Patrol because he was too nervous and, well, his car was full of guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. That is That's how, how they, they get, get you. you. Damn it. Foiled again by my mountains of guns in the back of my... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Driving back to Coeur d'Alene, James couldn't keep his cool. He was too exhausted. In a desperate last ride, he drove to Spokane to sell his guns at a sporting goods store. Then, believing he'd done his due diligence, he tried again to enter Canada at Cascade. He was refused, this time because of Fred. He'd left two pistols in the center console and two rifles in the trunk, which James had somehow missed when he was specifically looking for guns to get rid of. <laughs> he... <laughs> He oh, come on, back. I got rid of most of them. <laughs> well, what's turned... up with Canada? You guys, you see a couple of guns in the dash. Again, sir, we're very sorry. You know, we don't make the laws. We're just we're just here working like you. I, I like guns personally, but yeah. you, you just can't bring them in. So <laughs> close, though, dude. So close. That was almost all the guns. He turned back to Coeur d'Alene and sold them before abandoning, abandoning his 63 Chrysler, trading it for a 50 Chrysler van. He was filthy broke, smelled like garbage, and hadn't slept in a bed in five days. And he continued writing in his diary through it all. Oh, that's uh, good. This is this is another great part from his diary. Remember, there is something good in everything. Why don't people see the good? They only see the bad. <laughs> this is like the diary of Anne Frank, except for it's a guy who's kidnapping children. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, though, kudos to the journalist from Vox. Filthy broke. I don't know that one. That's that's really clever turn of phrase. Well, filthy uh, comma broke. But oh, you know. okay. Well, I still, I, you know, I'm I, still taking it as filthy broke, though. I, so, you know, Noel, I think you coined it. Then it's if mine. There's you filthy can't, rich. You, there's filthy broke. Caleb Horton, that comma separated you from greatness, my friend. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, by the way, anybody that wants to like really dig in, this is a super in-depth article uh, on Vox. Uh, it is really, really cool. It's like very like lots of cool images and it's a really, really great read. Highly recommend it. I will continue to see good in everything, no matter what happens. Refer to the myth of Sisyphus. <laughs> Which is that like a note for him in the final draft? <laughs> no, he also spelled Sisyphus wrong, which is another uh, important <laughs> yes. aspect of this. Uh, meanwhile, you know, you got your Fred. He was the he's the ringleader, uh, and he is up in Canada. Fred got to Vancouver at 6 p.m. the Saturday after the children's escape and checked into the St. Francis Hotel on Seymour Street by the freight yards. He paid in advance and asked the hotel manager if he could get some work. Quote, he seemed like a big dunce of a kid, the manager later said. He dressed like a cowboy and grinned all the time. <laughs> Which I think this whole thing is kind of funny because it's like these kids, these dumb kids from a San Francisco suburb who are uh, the whole time like dressing like what their idea of Chowchilla and what their idea of Canada is. Mm -hmm. Where they're kind of just like, look at me, I'm just a big dumb cowboy. Hey, <laughs> greetings, fellow locals. Ooh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he wrote a letter to his screenwriter friend, David, telling him that his crime would make a good movie of the week, if not a feature. I'm just sorry. It's just it's just also sad. It's just like uh, this the idea that at the end of the day, this was just like, man, but because this would be a cool movie to make. Like, yeah. what if we made a cool movie? And it's like, just write a script. 
<laughs> like you don't need to <laughs> kidnap the kids. He's like, it's, no, but I like yeah. I don't want. I'm not like I'm more of an ideas man. Like just a bunch of three <laughs> idiots saying I'm an ideas man in a circle for an hour. He's just like I'm too bad at game theory. I can't I can't game this out. I have to see what actually. He just gotta <laughs> yeah. exactly run the simulation. Oh wait, it's not a simulation. Now I'm probably gonna go to prison for the rest of my. You gotta get a look at this guy too. Like yeah. it's a black and white image, and I think it might just be the light, but it almost looks like he has this weird like skunk stripe in his hair, like this kind of like <laughs> like super villain kind of skunk stripe. Um, and he looks like uh like he should be a you know a what what is it um, Slytherin kind of like you know. <laughs> villain in one of the harry potter movies he's got like really severe eyebrows and yeah just really has the look of a guy that would be this guy like you said the holden caulfield like i'm so entitled yet so sad and so uh, i i deserve to have this adventure let me have this why don't people see the good you know (laughs) they only see the bad when i kidnap children they never see the good part yeah. He's got a lot of feelings and he does not have the brain power to articulate them in any uh cathartic sort of way. Um so this is this is back from the letter to his friend Jim or sorry his his screenwriter friend David. I guess he's got a lot of screenwriter uh friends. That's what you did in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um my ending is not exciting enough, so you might have to kill some people or something. Uh <laughs> if you do make it into a film, all I want is a percentage of it. You make it up. I don't care how much, but be fair. Uh, and he spelled fair, F-A-R-E. God. This letter would contribute to his downfall. On Friday, acting on an FBI tip, plainclothes officers from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police staked out the main Vancouver post office. They knew Fred had been setting letter, sending letters under the name Richard Snyder. They waited and waited and finally sprang into action, only to mistakenly tackle two German students. Uh, but, you know, they eventually got the right guy. I like how they always make the cops a character. Uh, in this and really like the cops did like almost nothing in this like they got they, they found the letters <laughs> well they didn't they have to the, letter. the kids were <laughs> yeah. so stupid I mean they exactly. just like they, they gift wrapped all this the, literally the notebook with the whole narrative the letter that or the uh, the ransom note they forgot to deliver it's all like right there in one place yeah I would love to be in the interrogation room also in my head I still have the bag of chips mm-hmm. and I'm the guy from the earlier conversation where they were planning the heist like this must have been Okay, I don't want to diminish what happened, but as if they're the detectives are in there and they've got the notebook and they're like, all right, guys, hell of a read. The, um, you know, spelling is tough, but let's let's <laughs> talk about this because I, I read somewhere that initially they somehow had the chutzpah to plead innocent. Wow. Yeah, well, part of what they got charged with was kidnapping with intent to inflict bodily harm. Mm-hmm. And so they disputed the bodily harm part and um and then the bus driver testified and uh the judge did not agree with their assessment and so they all got life in prison um without the possibility of parole which uh they appealed a bunch of times until they uh eventually uh received the possibility of parole um but uh 39 years after the crime uh Jim got to speak at his parole hearing, uh, and he he described the motive as, uh, I wanted to fit in with these new people that we moved next to, he said. And, you know, my friend's parents had twin Ferraris, his and hers, with telephones in them. My dad lent me some money, and I bought a Jaguar. I found out that the insurance was more than I made in a whole year, so two months later, I had to sell the Jaguar. I just figured I need money. Money would solve all my problems. 
You know, I've got okay. I'm I'm gonna make a we do parliamentary procedure or something like it here on ridiculous history, and this story is so fascinating. No, what do you think? Do you want to just? I think we should spend this episode on this story because I, there's still some stuff to unravel here. Oh, there's a lot. Like I yeah. said, I mean, it's it's a pretty. It kind of keeps going. You think you've it seen does. the bottom of it? I just have so uh, many questions that I know will never get answered. And you know, uh, they might. They might because uh, one of those got like. I think this is where you go with this, Vince. Are we going to talk about their their lives, like in prison? Well, so the Schoenfeld brothers got out eventually uh, in like 2012 or something like that. Oh, or 2012 I they got in 2015. Life. Well, they did, but then they, you know, because they're rich, they found a lawyer that mm-hmm. appealed it to, you know, get their sentence knocked down. Uh, the ringleader is still in prison, uh, and he has had an interesting life uh, in prison. Apparently. When you have enough money, like prison isn't that bad because you can sort of pay for protection and pay for, mm-hmm. well, you know, not as bad. Um, but anyway, uh, a few months ago, it came out that he was running a used car dealership in Tehachapi uh, and a Christmas tree lot in the Bay Area. All from, from the confines. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been legal too, save for one one caveat, apparently, uh, from, from what I heard, he totally could run as many businesses as he wished if he literally just went to the warden and said, hey, is it okay if I do this? I'll still be in prison. Is it okay? And he just didn't. It was just too much of a pill to it's, ask if it was okay. It's Well, he had a note where he was asking for permission, but he forgot to send it to the warden. <laughs> there mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. There's actually a uh, 48 hours, apparently, about his life in prison, where he keeps getting caught with pornography and cell phones, uh, and he bought a mansion on the coast. Um, which, you know, I don't know what you do with a mansion on the coast when you're in prison, but, uh, I guess if you ever get out, you got a place to go. And just to have, it's better just to have yeah. one, just in case, yeah. you know, it comes you up. have a mansion as a treat, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay, he's still in prison today. That's right. Okay. Yeah, the, the ringleader. Yeah. Fred. He's up, Fred. Uh, he, he's up for uh, a parole hearing again in 2024. I hope he gets it, dude. I was going to say, Matt, if 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 you've got a lot of questions, I bet we could we could actually write to him. I mean, <laughs> oh, wow, I would yeah. love to get him on uh, an episode of Pod Yourself a Gun. I want to ask if he likes <laughs> the Sopranos and, uh, you know, what he because like these guys, like especially the ringleader um, reminds me so much of like Chris Moltisante. With like, mm-hmm. like, kind of like, if if this is like, if Chris were uh, born rich, right? And but he's still, you know, like he he could have taken over his dad's like oil and you know train business or whatnot, but he really just wanted to be a screenwriter. Totally, and uh, it's just like it's got the the same vibes. He's like the the spelling errors. Like it feels like he's yeah. gonna write in his notebook at some point. I must be loyal to my capo. L O Y L E. Did you ever feel like nothing good was ever gonna happen to you? Yeah, you know? I'm telling you, it's like the uh, same vibe. Yeah, yeah. It, it also reminds me of the Scottish prince and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> who's like father just wants him to like be the you know the lord of the swamp or whatever he's like but father but father i just want to i just want to to sing you know like I mean, that's that's kind of what the, he just wants to sing or like do a weird fucked up messy heist and you know get caught for it and I, ruin I, his life i bet you his notebook at some point has like a whole passage just that just says like they say there are no two people on this earth exactly alike 
But how do they know that for sure? It's impossible <laughs> to tell, even with computers, which mm-hmm. is exactly what Chris Moltisanti said. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So another weird little wrinkle of the story is that uh, one of the judges, there was a three-judge panel 
that approved their appeal, saying that they'd be eligible for parole. This was in 1980. Uh, one of the people on the panel was William Newsom, who is actually Gavin Newsom's father, the governor of mm-hmm. California. For now. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, please, please vote. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then after he retired, Judge Do Newsom not recall became him. An, That's all I was trying to say. Go ahead. Judge Newsom became an outspoken advocate for the Chowchilla kidnapper, saying that this notorious crime was just a, quote, a youthful stunt that had no vicious aspect to it. OK, yeah. Your Honor, I guess we've all been there, apparently. Listen, <laughs> sure. we've all done it. That's the thing about, you know, these are kids, man. Sometimes kids, you know, they they get a little rambunctious. You know, they steal a sweater from, you know, uh, from Macy's and then they get arrested. And sometimes they uh, kidnap a bus full of kids and then have an entire plane heist that they're going to do right after yeah. as an escape math- method. It's just normal. Yeah. Let boys be boys. Up, right. Hey, there's an episode of Wonder Years where this happens. I yeah. Think. I have it. <laughs> and, uh. I, I heard uh, this is a, a true fact. I, I heard that these happen so frequently. That's the reason that school buses don't have seatbelts. Uh, that's at least what I heard. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Matt. We'll hopefully we don't get letters about that one. But but you guys are like, it, it does seem strange, though. I, I'm sure a lot of members of the public assumed that someone might be Greasing the wheels of justice here? Was there any speculation that maybe this guy was getting bribed or something? Because that that it's a With weird thing judge? for a judge to say. The uh, boys I will mean, be boys. Reasoning. I mean, he has. The, you know, they've been in jail. He was in jail for forty years or so, something like that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, at that point, sure, why not? Let him out. And no him... one died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's from from prison. He's been directing three businesses: the Ambria Acres Christmas Tree Farm down the road from Creston, California, the Little Bear Creek Gold Mine near Lake Tahoe, and a used car business with a warehouse filled with vehicles in Tehachapi. I'm sorry, he has a gold mine. He literally uh, owns yes. and operates a gold mine. It's not yeah. a euphemism. Okay, I love that. And he actually, the reason he got caught uh, was Michael Bianchi, who managed aspects of all three businesses, injured his back, neck, and shoulder in the Little Bear Creek Mine. Uh, he needed surgery, and uh, Woods refused to pay, and so he had to file a claim with the state workers' comp board, um, and that's basically how he sort of got caught running all these businesses. Oh yeah, because he sued the and he sued that guy for like uh, over a million dollars or something. Yeah, he also has had four wives in prison. Um, what? Four Long wives? distance relationships are tough yeah. while yeah. in prison. That's not yep. super uncommon, I don't think. I think there's a lot of like, you know, um, examples. Serial killers. It happens to serial killers, like people that become fans of the person and yeah, they but start not writing four letters. Times. That's <laughs> a long time, man. I mean, forty years. You know, who knows what the circumstances were? You're I right, mean, though. I, I mean, it lot. sounds like four's the perfect lot. husband. He's stuck in prison. He has enough money to buy you a mansion, and That's you true. only have to see him <laughs> when you want to. Like that sounds like a pretty good deal. It's yeah. a very good point. Good deal for him, too, dude. Sometimes you just want to be free and hang with your boys in prison. Yeah, and then occasionally get that conjugal trailer. Exactly, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you just look at the math of it, that's a one every 10-year average. So, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. You could just every 10 years, you're just like, I'm sorry, babe. I just... uh, our letters are getting, you know, mm-hmm. less and less filled with passion. I'm kind of faking it's, it now. You he's know? like, I can't be tied down, hon. I'm a free spirit. I can, yeah, literally just <laughs> in prison. I can't be tied down. <laughs> I got a lot going on. Oh, man. 
So Vince, I, I, I'm sorry if I if I missed it. I mean, is is the motivation literally this idea of of making a real life event that that can then be the inspiration for a movie, or was there more? I mean, was they literally a... just wanted more cars. Like that was the whole that yeah. was the whole thing. They wanted more cars, and like you it know, was... as a sub motive, as a sub motive, uh, the cars were maybe uh, going to finance the younger brothers' movies, which I'm sure he made would have made lots of if he hadn't gone to prison. Mm. I mean, it it really was just like he was trying to keep up with the Joneses. He was just yes. like, oh, man, you know, these guys are so cool. And they got all these better cars. And I got this mm-hmm. Jaguar. I better had to sell the Jaguar because he couldn't he couldn't afford the insurance. Right. Yeah. And so mm. he's like, you know, who can afford uh, the insurance? Um, the state that funds schools. Do, <laughs> does, doesn't a trust fund usually kick in when you're like in your 20s? That's what that, I thought, too. It had to be how he was like, because usually it's tied to like when you're 18 or something. I would think so. When age, you become right? a, when you become a non minor, when you speak, I was about to say a major. That's not a thing. An adult. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't understand. Maybe his parents, you know, they certainly can write, you know, caveats into it where it requires certain things. Like you got to not live in the house. Maybe sure. you got to find your own way, get a career, go to college. Otherwise, you know, kids kids just become garbage. I mean, I think that was even a thing in The Sopranos with Meadow where they mm-hmm. wouldn't give her her trust fund because she was threatening to go to Europe or whatever instead of staying mm-hmm. in college. And then yeah. finally, they relent. Like, you know what? We trust you to make the right decision. Here's your trust fund. Yeah, and and uh, I also think that, like, you got to give kudos to the the parents for having foresight, for knowing that, like, let's wait a little bit. Let's make the age 30. For this dude <laughs> collecting his trust fund, because mm-hmm. I just have a sneaking suspicion he's gonna do like a a bus kidnapping. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you and know, this they is really... the doctor saying this, right? In the yeah. when when the kid's born. Yeah. The kid's like, yeah. look, I've been delivering babies for a while. This kid is a bus thief. Yeah. This kid, uh, <laughs> just wait till thirty for the hundred million dollars. You will thank me later. And I'm sure they did. They were just like, all right, well, that's our money still. I that mean, is interesting, you know, because there's there's this moment then where like we it's so common that it's almost a trope, right? The idea mm-hmm. like there's this kid who has money, but they can't get it, you know, until they satisfy some conditions and they reach a certain age. And so I just have this image of like the parents getting hit up for money and they say, look, we have a trust fund for you, but you have to be a little bit more mature to get it. And his response is. I'll show you mature. (laughs) Yeah. He should have just had to go back and do all the grades over again, like Billy Madison. (laughs) I forgot about that one. So uh, what's, what's your takeaway from this Vince? Like, has this inspired you toward a uh, life of crime or do you feel it's more cautionary? I am going to kidnap more children. Um, No, I, yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel like, the root of all of these crimes is generally, you know, seeing other people with better stuff than you and being like, hey, I want to do that. Um, and that's pretty much all. There, there's not a lot more deep thought that went into it, I don't think. There's a line from a Mr. Show sketch called Coupon the Movie, where they're like green lighting this movie about this coupon. And there's a guy that they think it's going to bomb. And one of the execs goes, I swear to God, if I have to go from being rich, super rich to just rich, I'll kill myself. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think that that's some that I really is once you go, once you hit a certain point, anything, any backpedaling is mm. a tantamount to 
utter failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really just measure yourself against everybody else. I mean, it's honestly a life lesson to just, you know, be happy with what you got. Yeah. And not like measure success or happiness based on other people's shit because it is a losing proposition. Because there will always be someone with more than you. Uh, and this is exactly, I think, the, the takeaway from the story as far as I'm concerned. I Agreed. base uh, my entire happiness on how many five star uh, five stars in a review we get on our podcast events, and yeah. Ooh, um, nice. and then I compare it to other people's podcasts, and uh, and then I just cry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just- I, I, I know there's there's some pretty good research into the comparative level of happiness, and one of the things that is counterintuitive to some people is if you are making like let's say you're making thirty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And everybody you work with is making $29,000 a year. Just that little difference will make you feel pretty great, according to like according yeah. to psychology. And then uh, in comparison, or in contrast, rather, if you're making $2 million a year, and you know that everybody you work with is making like $2 million and $200, you're, you're in the depths of despair. And you're like, what have mm-hmm. I done to deserve this? tragic injustice well and there's also a a level at which like you're not actually like tangibly happier um there's like i I think what is it like 70 grand a year i think is like a pretty decent depending on where you live a decent benchmark for like this is enough money for you to have the things that you want and the things that you need and to not you know go batshit with it but also just to kind of live a nice measured happy life and then once you get above that that's when you start getting into the more money more problems proposition of wealth you know yeah Mm. Yeah, I know someone who um, complained who uh, (laughs) I know someone who was on a canceled uh, NBC sitcom who uh, keeps complaining about uh, their co-star making more money when this person made a million dollars for being a side character, a million dollars and complaining that the the co-star got a million point two. And I was just like, you're never allowed to talk to me again. Right. Wow. <laughs> just don't complain about money. To, like that is not going to that. That is just in, that's insane. Just get, they got a million dollars. It was canceled. You anyway. should tell them about the school bus solution. That's what I'm going to tell this. them. It's like you want to earn that extra point too. <laughs> well, I know ben, a school bus of kids in Chowchilla who need kidnapping. There's no school bus solution to a spiritual problem. That's absolutely right. <laughs> And I, I think that's that's the the lesson here. And one of the other lessons. Uh, perhaps one of the primary takeaways is to immediately check out Pod Yourself a Gun. Uh, Vince, thank you for taking us on this journey. And uh, I, just behind the scenes, I, I was checking out Pod Yourself a Gun. Uh, my writer died. The one and only Noel Brown has been on the on the show, in fact. Yeah. Noel, what did you guys talk about? On that episode? Well, it was like, I, I think we talked about this off air, the, the the four of us, but I found Pod Yourself a Gun literally just because I needed to fill the uh, holes within me that, that could only be filled with Sopranos content. Yes. And I, you know, I rewatched the show like several times a year and I saw a meme that kind of sums me up where it's like, well, just finished rewatching The Sopranos. Guess it's time to watch The Sopranos. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, it's become this kind of comfort thing for me, even though it's, you know, it's a very tense and anxiety filled show. But I, I so once you know what it what what it's doing and where it's going, I don't think it affects you the same way. Right. I find it to be like really like calming and comforting. So I rewatch it constantly, and I was looking for podcasts, and there really aren't 
a ton of them out there and y'all's came up and it was a fucking clever name obviously and so i checked it out and then it turned out that like some of our colleagues from the daily zeitgeist and from our la crew had been guests so i literally reached out to anna hosnay and asked if she'd introduce me like literally i was just like a fan of the show and she did and y'all were kind enough to have me on um to talk about uh season five episode one the two tonys uh, which is the one where all the old timers are getting out of prison, like this wave of like, you know, incarcerations that happened, I guess, like in the uh, 70s or something like that. And they're all kind of getting now. You got Feech Lamana and you mm-hmm. got Tony Blundetto, which is Tony's cousin played by uh, Steve Buscemi. And then there's a handful of others. But yeah, that's what we talked about. And we talked about AJ being kind of an insufferable, mm-hmm. uh, awful, young, you know, uh, ras- rascal. Right. That's the word, fail son. I love yeah. that. I, I think I've only heard you guys say that. And also a terrible drummer. That was my biggest point that I think yeah. I made. And <laughs> if anyone walked away with anything that I felt strongly is that AJ is a horrible horrible, horrible drummer. Terrible. There's nothing, nothing more insufferable than someone playing drums at you while you're mm-hmm. trying to talk to them and not even doing a good job. It's just, it's it's the worst. And he, then he watching is- him get attacked by a bear. And uh, as, as Matt said earlier, if you want to, if you want to help our guys here uh, feel a little better, not rob a school bus, you can make a difference with a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, you can also check out uh, you can also check out Vince and Matt's other podcasts. You're, you're making us look bad. You guys are doing a lot here. <laughs> well, uh, the broadcast, uh, Film Drunk broadcast has been going on for a long, long time. We're all about quantity over quality. Yes, yes. You just keep loading up the uh, the the content slop, and uh, you just let the piggies feed. Love it. Well, and that ben, is a ringing recommendation. <laughs> oh, a, a million percent. And Ben, you know, this story ended up being uh, a real epic, but you have a story about, uh, you, you teased it at the top of the show about some kind of bumbling mafia brothers. I, I propose that we do that as a separate episode, just the two of us and, and Max, and make this a trilogy. You know what? Let's let's go for a, a, a threefer, because then I think, yeah, that that would three is the smallest number you need to make a, a list, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's right. technically a list, so we could call it a franchise. Uh, and we can't wait to hear uh, your stories about boneheaded mafioso. It just hit me, speaking about boneheaded crimes and criminals in general, uh, it just hit me that some of our friends from this story might be listening to the podcast today. I don't know what the stance is on podcasting in prison, uh, but wow. uh, for, yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. So we can't wait to hear what you think of Pod Yourself a Gun, a film drunk broadcast. Uh, we also can't wait to hear your takes on some of history's dumbest crimes. As always, you can find us at our, uh, we got a lot of stuff now. Let's see, we got the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Got the Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. Just pop on over to Facebook, type that in. And I think you have to answer like a basic question, like one of our mm-hmm. names, or just say something to let us know you're not a Russian bot and you're in. Uh-huh. We now have a working email address. Uh, swear to God, are you still not getting it, Ben? We got to figure I'm that not, part out. I'm not. Um, I'm not. Yeah. So forward me the good ones. I, I will. Uh, I'll I will. get with IT. I will yeah. also, like, they also go straight to my spam folder so I don't see them readily but I gotta we need to start doing listener mail episodes to give us a reason to search for them because our company has quite a uh, a restrictive spam filter but we do get them uh, we swear so please write to us at ridiculous at iheartmedia.com and and we're gonna get that fixed so so Ben's getting them to soon and then I think we are due for a listener mail episode I bet you we have a good little crop of of letters and uh, Vince Matt we usually don't tell people this until the very end of guest spots 
but uh, we really tried to dress up the show for you here uh, by helping you avoid our nemesis. This show does have a nemesis. It's true. Uh, it's yeah. true. Yeah, he pops in unexpectedly and, and gives us pedantic history quizzes. Oh, it's, God, uh, it's true. Yeah, it's, He's probably it's, coming back in a, a week or two. What do you say, Noel? I think so. We 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 can you know we are able to summon him, but we we don't want to leave off without um, uh, delivering on a on a promise that we made. Uh, Vince, got to put you on the spot. Uh, we all need mafia nicknames, if you don't mind. Oh, geez. Hey, I'm gonna call you the Beard. Okay. You know, because. Uh, <laughs> Because it's real creative. You got that beard. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he has a beard. <laughs> yep. Okay. No, I the see beard how brown. you came up with that I like one. it. Walk us through the logic here. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, it. What's that? I said that was the logic. The logic uh, was you see a beard. It's sort of like driving around naming signs that you see or reading, you know. Now, it, that, that you also have, you go deeper with these. Don't sell yourself short, Vince. What about Ben? Uh, you know, we're going to call him, uh, oh, damn, what was that ska band? Uh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> uh we'll just call him two-tone because, uh, you know, he's the guy, what was the bowling for, was it bowling for soup? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Does he look like the guy from bowling for soup? I don't know. Isn't that a, isn't that a ska band? I, I don't know, know if they were last name bowling, you know? Oh, oh yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Uh, Benny Two-Tone. I like it. Yeah. Like hey, it. Benny Two Tone, yeah. how's your mother? Right. Hey. We, just need, we just need one for Max. Yeah. And Max, he, you know, he's, he, we call him Max Paws because he's, you know, he's a puppy with big paws. That's what we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's better. But Max, my one for you was going to be a little gigantic. So I think mm-hmm. uh, Max Paws is, is, is much better. Well, uh, good save, Noel. Good catch uh, because uh, we got close to forgetting about that and we would have gotten some angry let we probably wouldn't no you never know but uh vincent and matt thank you so much again for joining us where can folks find you on the internet outside of your podcasts yeah as always on up rocks i'm the senior film and culture writer dropping lots of takes over there and uh yeah and twitter vince at vince mancini and you can find me on twitter at matt lieb um or on instagram at matt lieb jokes and so yeah check that out Matt, don't get don't get mad at me for saying this, but I did go check out some of your stand up on YouTube. We were talking about that off air. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, people can people can still find that as well. Please, yeah, go ahead and go to YouTube and type in Matt Lieb, and then eventually you'll see some stand up videos. And uh, <laughs> you know, go ahead and watch them and tell your friends to watch them. <laughs> I got lots of jokes. I do have this one joke about a big mouth Billy Bass. You'll love it. You don't want to know what I do with it. You'll have to you'll have to hear for yourself. You have um, to hear for yourself. It's explicit. <laughs> All right. And uh, you can also find Noel and me, of course, uh, not just as a show, but as individuals. That's right. You can find me. I'm pretty much exclusively on Instagram, aside from the occasional Twitter lurking. But look me up on Instagram at How Now Noel Brown. You can check out my adventures uh, on Instagram at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. I I, I made a decision not to to show some backstage misadventures today, but I just got my eyes dilated, and it is, like, weird. If I seem off today, guys, it's because I can't quite see you, Uh, Mm. but... But uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Ben Bullen HSW. And as soon as my vision returns, I'll check back in too. Well, hopefully I'll be back by the next time we record, Ben, for the <laughs> third part of this now crime trilogy. <laughs> this may well be our Godfather 3 uh, recut. <laughs> I think the recut is supposed to be pretty good. The recut is supposed to be pretty good. As long as it's not our Exorcist 2. We'll see you next time, folks.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.